Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Neil Smith. Uh, Neil, give us a bit of an introduction to yourself. Well, I'm glad you asked about that, Glenn. Um, (laughs) You know, we are non-licensed brokers in Chicago. We fund all over the country. Um, the Canadian borrower is a big part of our business, probably about 20%. And uh, so we close a few loans with those folks every month. And we, uh, I guess, kind of our claim to fame is we have a flat rate, nothing paid until closing. It doesn't make a difference the size of the loan. It's just 2500 And that's paid at the closing, no upfront fees. And we have a pretty good social media presence. Terry on there talked about those upfront fees. And I just want to address that for the public out there. And that is... If anybody, I guess what Terry said is if they ask for upfront fees, don't walk away, run away. <laughs> well, that's what I always, I've always said this sort of same thing is, you know, if, uh, but mine was more looking at us trying to search out the scams because you go put something on Facebook and you get a bunch of people with Gmail addresses at, yeah, hey, yeah, send me some upfront, you know, the, the points ahead of time. And you're like, no, everything's your title. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a good, good point. Also now on the title. Um, that cross-border funding, you know, we um, we actually kind of direct lenders on how to get those closings done. So we do quite a bit of these closings. Make it. I, I know probably when you started, Glenn, it was very common to go to the embassy, and you know, then COVID came along, and even pre-COVID, I know even the embassy process, as I understand, was pretty trying. I actually was the. I just went to the states every time. I used to go down to Niagara Falls, New York, and just cross the border, go to the McDonald's there, get my mobile notary, and then I found a notary just down the road, a little bit farther from that, that I could just go in and sign and had a little relationship with them. And then COVID, I haven't seen them in a while. <laughs> exactly, I bet not. So, but um, especially with COVID, where the folks can't come over the border, um, we're pretty good at getting uh, the title company to agree to. I guess up there, all the attorneys are notaries. Yep. And like they have that list of them. Like if he's on that list, then it works. So, so I guess for all the borrowers out there that, that are maybe having trouble closing up there or having trepidation even in COVID, we, we can help. We can help with that. We got a pretty good expertise. It's a really common problem right now. I get phone calls for it all the time. Notary issues. Yeah. Because we- but you know what's funny about that notary is that we came to find out um, that it's really a title company issue in some cases because I know we had one a couple of months ago in uh, Indianapolis and uh, and they couldn't close and the title company was like, oh no, this is the way it is. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but we just changed title companies <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> so let's get into some of this Canadian funding. So you guys, you guys can work with Canadians and, you know, full disclosure, we have worked together before. <laughs> yep, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I, you'll notice with my show that I've never bring on uh, usually anyone that I haven't worked with. They're vetted, especially if they are service. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, Glenn, you know, has come to us before. There's quite a few people that Glenn knows of or know of Glenn that have come to us also. And uh, about half our business really comes may, maybe even more than that. We don't make outgoing phone calls looking for business, and the phone rings pretty regularly. And a fair percent of them are folks that are looking for that. Now, the one thing I know that you just recently noticed is um, it was always capped at like uh, 65%. That was always the number. Canadians, probably listeners on the podcast today, they're always 65. And we did a uh, Facebook post a little while ago for a brand new borrower, had never borrowed before. So if you newbies are out there, 
and she got 75 loan to value and I think around 6%. And that's another thing, you Canadians, I know 6% interest rate is probably real competitive based on what I understand. Well, yeah, well, we well we have some ridiculous rates right now. Our uh, uh, some of them are under two percent for some of our mortgages. It's it's it it, it it it. I think that was a good point to set the rates because it sets the expectations. It it isn't the, quite the same. It's going to be a little bit more expensive, but you're if you're investing in the states, but you can. It's it's part of it's just part of it, and the you know the property taxes will be cheaper. The proper purchases prices are likely cheaper. Um, you'll make it up in a lot of different other spots. But. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that because we always tell people now it's a bad example because you folks are in Canada and yeah. are funding in the U.S. But we tell, especially on the U.S. side, if you go to the bank, go to the bank because we're non-bank lenders, and there's not an area that we really can't cover, and there's some areas that actually fund a little better than others. But you know, really. That loan to value that you can get down the bank, primary residence, first time buyer in the States, US Social Security number, you know, might be, you know, five or 10% down. We don't have that. Probably, I mean, the best uh, loan to value we've ever gotten is 75% on a long-term loan. And and that's the market. I mean, we fund a fair amount of loans and people take them. So it must be what's out there. I mean, anybody that tells you that they're getting better than that as a loan to value from a private lender, let them know about Glenn and I because we're definitely looking for them. <laughs> and the thing maybe to talk about is it's a little bit different. Um, the loans aren't held in-house. So how does the sort of loan structure go from from us signing up a loan to what happens after that? Where, where does this loan go? Well, that's a real good question and, and one that I've only, you know, kind of come to learn because if you think about that whole process, first of all, you know, this hard money. Yeah. Um, kind of industry that we work in here. Um, that hard money, that those people that are lending, because we represent some really big lenders that are right next door to the bank. So if you're not going to fund with the bank, you're going to fund with us. And those hard money lenders really represent institutions that end up buying those notes. So which is a whole separate people business that people buy these mortgage notes. And if you think about it, it's uh, as an investment on the other side, you know, it's pr pr pretty conservative investment because it's the first mortgage note. If you default on the mortgage, then that lender gets that home back. So it's pretty well protected. So it gets sold to institutions and it might even, you know, trickle down to as an investment vehicle just to, you know, some alternative to a bank investment. And that's where that money ultimately ends up going. Yeah. And when they're. I've always been confused about this exactly. So when you're like they're coming up with the rates in the loan to value, I, first we're in a foreign national program, and then yeah. it's um, do we get like you know bumps if they're like oh you have a bad credit rate it goes up a little bit you have a little other something else it goes up or is there ways to adjust that is there exceptions like how does that all kind of work? Well, you know there's there's a, a very good question also. And there's a couple of exceptions that are made for lending, and, and not the least of which is experience. Experience speaks volumes, and that is. If you haven't ever done this before, you're probably going to take a little bit of a haircut, and that is a little bit of a raise in probably the interest rate. It might not be the loan to value, but it might be the interest rate. Then after experience, we never knew, but I guess you folks up there are going up to 900 credit. So we had a fellow the other day, <laughs> 780 credit. We thought, oh, 780 in the States. I mean, we only go to eight. You know, 780, <laughs> I mean, you're flying. Yeah, yeah. So no, we this get... fellow here, you know, I guess that might be above average or whatever it was. So so we get a fellow that's uh, that's new. He's got a 780 credit. 
And then the other thing that really helps with funding is liquidity. And that is cash, cash equivalent things you could turn into cash. I know you guys up there call it something like the RFPA or something like your retirement plan account. RRSP, yeah. Yeah, RSP. So they they count that for about half the value on liquidity because if you only have 20 to close the loan at 20, you're probably not going to get funded because the lender is going to be reticent to fund you because he's concerned that you may default. Yeah. Because you won't have the money afterwards. So we always tell people as a rule of thumb, 25 to 30% is a good rule of thumb. Now, the other thing also is we have a lender and you listeners out there want to hear what I say. So I'll say it slowly. That has no minimum. <laughs> and that's real important for you, especially in new folks out there, or if you're in markets in, in the States, Ohio comes to mind. There's a lot of smaller properties there that we can literally get you a 30 year loan on a $10,000 property. As an example. Now your payments could be about $1.99 a month, but it is a 30 year loan. So do you guys, because you have to sell those loans or something at the end, is it harder to sell these cheap loans? Actually, uh, not surprise. I mean, surprisingly not. And that's because that's an alternative to any retirees out there trying to think about what they do with their money. Here we call them certificates of deposits. There they may call them time deposits or something. So yeah. it's an alternative to a CD investment for a retired investor. And it's a first mortgage note. So, you know, if, if and if you were to think through your own portfolio of real estate, you've developed a philosophy. There's listen, listeners out there that have done the same. I'm a, you know, 100,000 buyer. So I buy houses in $100,000 range. Same thing with an investor on the fixed income side. So he's a 100 or 25 or 150 buyer. And, uh, and in his case, you know, he wants to make a return on that. So he may be just a 25 buyer. So that's a perfect one for a 25, knowing that you could well get that, you know, for 30 years in your case. But, you know, a lot of these retirees might not be here in 30 years. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is it's a good, safe, conservative because it's a, you know, it's a first mortgage note is really what you're buying. Yeah. Good no. question. Though. Um, Canadian credit scores. How do they look at the, that stuff? Is it worth anything? <laughs> really, it is. And, and that is they use a company. You could uh, do a little Googling any of you listeners out there. I think it's called a. Uh, Redco comes okay. to mind. So they're out of, uh, I think they're out of somewhere on the West Coast. Okay. And uh, and it's kind of a form you fill out that says, you know, hey, my name is John Q. Public and I live in Canada and here's my address. And then from that, they can look at it like, as I understand it, you folks, I think you get a TransUnion report out there anyway. Yeah, we have TransUnion so, and Equifax. So yeah, we have a lender that, uh, especially the small balance lender, he just likes to look at your TransUnion report. If it's a good opportunity, though, that lender in particular, so if you're a little credit compromise here, we call that under 600. There, I don't know what they call it. But if you had a good opportunity, and we funded somewhere even under there, so long as the lender doesn't think he's going to get hurt. You know, because yeah. if you default, he's going to take back your property. He wants to make sure he has the ability to do that. Yeah. And TransUnion, if they're that's the one they're looking at. My TransUnion is always higher than my Equifax. I don't know if they pull different stuff, but I'm not an expert on credit. But I, my NOMA, TransUnion is always higher, so it's that's a perk. <laughs> well, well, it is not only a perk, but also, you know, I hate to brag, but we were kind of the ones that talked them into opening up that small balance funding product for you Canadians because we had it on the U.S. side, and then they were trying to figure out. And I told them about that credit card, and they said, well. 
as a company, we'll just take a look at the TransUnion report. And by the way, just like you and I are here talking and we're accessible, people can call us anytime. We talk to our lenders. Our lenders are direct lenders. We're brokers. We're not direct lenders. And we only work with direct lenders. And just like we're talking back and forth, a lot of times, you know, if I have an issue, I can call that lender. I hardly ever do. And by the same token, every once in a while, they call us, usually usually to praise us. Though. <laughs> I always hear with the, the Americans who are getting their lending, it's always about the tri-merge. So it's it's kind of impossible to do that with us with only two credit scores also, right? That's exactly right. And that whole tri-merge thing, you know, really um, having been at it a little while, a couple of year old company with a real good presence and everything, the more we know, the more we know we need to know. But the fact that the more, uh, the more I know, but and Terry already knows it often anyway. <laughs> Don't believe me, ask her. But what I'm saying is that uh, they use the mid-score here is what they do. And that's why they look at that tri-merge report. So if you got a 600, a 650, and a six and a quarter, they're going to look at the six and a quarter. And they're going to judge their lending on that. And the same thing applies to a U.S.-based borrower as with a Canadian. Experience, liquidity speaks volumes, and then credit score. And last of all is the opportunity. Now, we have some lenders that are hard fast on the credit score on the U.S. side, not as much on the Canadian side, but because uh, you were funding from Canada, I just want to make clear that the there's not a whole lot that we can't help you with if so long as it's the right opportunity for the lender. And that gets back to, you know, I touched on, it was a new investor that came in about a week or two ago and uh, he's buying a fix and flip in Michigan, a little tougher area yeah. right in front of me. I keep my board of uh, lenders, what's going on. And I think it says up here, uh, stay out of Flint in Detroit. <laughs> right. So they don't fund there. And that's a lot of it has to do with the pandemic. I know that, uh, time in Baltimore right now in Maryland because they've done the right thing by the real estate people there and that is they've protected them through covenants because of COVID. No evictions, can't foreclose, things along that line. But if you flip the coin and you're the lender, you're going to be a little reluctant to make your loans in that area. So uh, so what happened with this gentleman is, is the ARV came in on the appraisal side for less than he thought it would have been and for that reason, it would have been more money out of pocket and, you know, kind of, I mean, the opportunity just fell apart for him. Yeah. When um, I say fell apart, he thought it was better and so did we to just walk away, take the hit on the cost of the appraisal. And that's why when we say 30 days to fund, and anybody listening, if you're wondering how long it takes to fund, usually 30 days to close and 20 days to protect yourself to make sure you get funded. And this way you can get your earnest money deposit back. Yep, I know what I always tell you. Like even when we were talking on Monday, I said uh, if you want to try and speed things up, or even just still hit the thirty-day close, get all your documents in ahead of time, even before you have the property. That's <laughs> you know, exactly right. It's, it's like know, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, like in your particular case, Glenn, I'm sure that you have you know something you use like a Google, Google Docs. People use which we don't really like, but a Dropbox or something that you just. Yeah. Just because we always find it like which password to open and stuff like that. But, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, so long as you automate on your side, Terry did a post and anybody want to kind of learn about us. If you go to our Facebook page, it's very educational. Our website's very educational also at NSS Lending um, is documentation. We had one of our broker referral partners that runs a Facebook group on obviously Facebook, but it has to do with verified lenders. So if you're not a verified lender, some of those Gmail account people are in there. 
So these are lenders that hold themselves out to the public as a lender and have credibility. And she posted last week talking about all lending is, is being able to verify your facts. So if you say that you have money to invest, just be prepared to prove it. If you say that you have a 700 credit score, just be prepared to prove it because we're going to find out because I can remember some time ago, we still joke about it. We had a lender or a borrower rather come in um, in Georgia yeah. and she said, here's my track record. And she gave us, you know, 1111 Main Street, 1201 Fourth Avenue, whatever the addresses were. And by golly, we couldn't find nothing about her. And I'm thinking, don't you think that the lender's going to do due diligence to figure out if you're really on here, just arbitrarily picking? So back to your uh, point, Glenn, and that is anybody that's thinking about borrowing, get all your ducks in a row first. You know, I know a lot of you folks are uh, probably aware you need to have a U.S. entity. Most lenders lend to entities only. I mean, it's yeah. a state requisite in a lot of cases just doing that way. So you'd have to have your entity in place, but that doesn't stop you from starting the process. Just got a couple more questions for you. Uh, recourse, non-recourse. Do you do both? Which kinds of loans? We only do non-recourse. And what's kind of funny is we funded, wait a minute. Yep, we're the ones. We funded in Alaska. <laughs> and, and and when I brought it to my guy, I worked with the vice president of a real large lender, or we do. And, well, wait, uh, we, should, we should define what re recourse and not recourse is. Okay, yeah, there <laughs> yeah, you go. So okay, we probably got a couple people recourse. going, wait, what is, what is that? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess I'll let you hit the definition and then I'll concur. Okay, okay. Recourse, um, I, and this is not a dictionary definition by any means, but uh, recourse means that if uh, you default on the loan, they're going after you personally. Uh, Non-recourse, they're more, it's the corporation is liable for the loan. That, is that kind of accurate? Yeah. That's pretty accurate. It's as accurate as I could have said also, and I, I was going to make you either personally responsible or non-personally responsible. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is <clears throat> we um, had a lender or a borrower in Alaska that, you know, it was a real tough loan to fund. We funded some more tough than others. And, and this one all had to do with the appraisal and uh, that they chose the appraiser. But in that particular case, you know, wait a minute, you're in Canada, folks. Um, or a lot of you are, but anyway, yeah. uh, it was snowing in Alaska. So they couldn't get to the building because there was snow on the ground. Who would have ever thought? So then <laughs> even further, when they got the uh, area plowed, he didn't want to leave his, wait a minute, he's on a rural road and doesn't want to leave his truck by the road. So <laughs> twice he had to go back just to do the same appraisal. So my point about that one is after she funded, and it took a little while extra, and it was a HUD um, purchase, which we've done before. And those are usually cash purchases because of timing. Um, yeah. The housing and urban development take these properties and have really good values and everything. So um, she had to get two extensions. She had to pay for the extensions, all because of the appraisal. We get done with the funding, and she writes me, and she says, uh, I'll never do a recourse loan again. And I said, is that funny? I've never done a non-recourse loan. So to answer your question, Glenn, we only handle recourse-funded loans, and that is where you're going to have a personal guarantor on those loans. And with COVID, I don't think there are non-recourse loans. There could be, but we've never funded a loan that wasn't a recourse loan. Now, I'll also point out, I've never been worried about recourse, so to say, as a borrower. 
The only people that should be worried about recourse are people that think they're going to fail. Because if you think it's going to work, then what are you worried about the recourse? Because in your case, you're going to put money into this. You're going to borrow money from the lender, and you're worried about if I walk away or default, are you going to come after me? Well, I wouldn't want to not think I was going to succeed. Otherwise, I would never go into it. That's my opinion. And isn't that part of the reason for the foreign national program and the, the lower loan-to-values typically is because they're going to have trouble enforcing the recourse anyway if you're in a different country? Well, that, I, I mean, I think that, you know, it's kind of like uh, us doing this today here on this thing in front of us, and that is years ago we couldn't do this. Well, years ago they couldn't do what they could do today. You know, I was making an analogy to a bad check years ago. Heck, when I was growing up, you write a bad check in Florida, drive to Georgia, they didn't even know you wrote a bad check. Now you write a bad check in somewhere, they know immediately you wrote a bad check everywhere in the world. So back to the 65%, I, I mean, again, we funded quite a few. We actually have one on the docket right now, and I'll tell you the end of the story, maybe in a future uh, broadcast or podcast broadcast. But anyway, uh, yeah. it's coming at 80 on the on the offer side. But I've never funded a loan at 80%, and this is for a foreign investor, lives in Canada, has a U.S. entity, has extensive experience. But right now, I would tell you the highest I've ever gotten, be it a U.S. or, or Canadian, is is 75. I think the 65%, I mean, I'm not going to say it's gone because we're doing one right now for somebody at 65. So it's very common, but I could tell you, I think those loan-to-values are going up with technology where they you know, can come after you if they have to. Makes sense. So if they can come after you, then we can get some better leverage. Um, Let me see here. Look at my things. You mentioned before, we we keep talking about loan-to-values, and one part we always keep forgetting to talk about is the fix-and-flip loans, and that is a totally different leverage product, right? It really is, and I can say that uh, we don't get much of a haircut for you uh, foreign investors on the loan-to-value for fix-and-flips. And we even on those smaller opportunity loans can get you a 90-100 loan. And what that means for your newbies is we're going to fund or have a lender that's going to fund 90% of the purchase price and 100% of the rehab. But it's also based on the ARV too. Based on that ARV bucket. And that gets back to that Michigan property (laughs) I was talking about the other day. And then even further, we we actually have a 100-100 program for U.S. investors. I know you have a U.S. following too. And, uh, but... That's for the most creditworthy. Yeah. Less than 1% of our loans we close are with that lender, and that is because it's as close to a full doc loan as you're going to have. So, But on the fix and flip side, they usually cap you at 70% of the ARV. So yeah. you know, for simple math, let's say that you were buying a place at 100 and uh, you're going to put in 50 for a round number. Yeah. So now 70% of that is a 105. Well, I mean, if they're doing 90% of the purchase price, so that's 90000 there, even though you have 50 of uh, of rehab, um, let's use a 200. Uh, if you used a 200 ARV, you'd probably be safe because, again, uh, 70% of that. Actually, there's there's a good example. I was doing all the math in my head. So <laughs> I know, walk, I know. <laughs> let's walk through that together, folks. 100 purchase at 90% is $90,000. Right. You got 50 a rehab, and they're going to fund 100% of that. If the ARV is only 200, 70% of, it, of 200 is 140. In that example, you'd be right on the bone. But if, you're, not, if your ARV 
was 190, then you're you're little short. Yeah. You'd be short, and you know who pays that short? You do. <laughs> and that is if you, if you really still believe in the opportunity, and we have the best of them, and that is, you know, we have borrowers that have done multiple transactions with us year in and year out over the last few years with us. And sometimes I'm not going to say they're mistaken because that's their opinion based on the model and how they come up with that ARV. And uh, the one that comes to mind, the lender gave him a haircut. He said, I'm going for it anyway. He footed the bill out of his own pocket and he was right. <laughs> Last was- question before we go. Um, it keeps coming up. Uh, social security numbers, Canadians that have social security numbers, some of them don't have any credit score on them. How, how did, I know we, we already talked about this on Pondale again, but how does that play out? Well, first of all, um, as soon as you get your credit or, or your social security number, you're going to have what's called a very thin file because there's nothing in that file. In other words, you haven't opened up any trade lines, any credit lines. So what I would encourage any of the borrowers to do is to, you know, just open up some type of credit card through a store, you know, like uh, Saks as an example or, or Neiman Marcus. And it doesn't even have to be a high line like uh you know, you, I know you folks up there have one of the Canadian tires. So, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. but, but you'd want to get something that's going to start showing up on that U.S. Social Security side. Because again, if once you have your U.S. Social Security number, that makes you not have to worry about that loan to value on the long term loans. But again, on the long term loans, they'd be coming in. I know you said it was the last question, but I do want to mention for the yeah. audience out there seasoning. Very important. Oh, we Season- never talk about that, yeah. Yeah, we need to talk about it. Seasoning is very important because any investors out there, and especially on the Canadian side or even any borrower, you know, it was such a good opportunity. I just paid cash, and now I want my money back. Well, you're not going to get back 100% of your money. Again, with that 65 that Glenn was talking about years ago and even could be today, or on the smaller loans, it might be a 60% loan to value because it's a smaller loan. But at least we're going to get back something for you. And seasoning, we have lenders that have no seasoning. Now, they're going to require a new appraisal, which probably, if you buy the property right, will work for you. And that is, you buy the property using 100 for a round number. And uh, you, you know, stroke your check for 100 plus some fees and everything. And you're in there. They, the lender, without, when I say seasoning, how long you owned it for would typically only fund the purchase price plus any verifiable uh, renovation since the purchase date. What I mean by seasoning is we have another lender that will come in right after you purchase by on Monday, on Tuesday, you're going to pay for another appraisal. But let's say you get lucky and it appraises, they call it a 120. Just for, I mean, I don't think it's going to go to 200 overnight, but you get that 120. Now they're going to use that 120 as the 75 or 65 and so if you put in 100 using it at 120 you know you might get back eh, that's like 70 you know you might lose not lose but you'll have 20 or so in the property very good question or very good point for me to have brought up because that seasoning i know i i normally don't touch on as much but it's very important especially for you folks that are out there cash buyers so we could do a refi pretty much immediately and get you out of there but like everything, if you season it longer, you should get better leverage and you should get better interest rates, right? That's exactly And, and you right. will get less high leverage, you'll be lower leverage and less competitive, less 
impressive rates when you're doing it like on day one. Am I? That's exactly right. That's a very good point. But again, seasoning here, you know, really is six months or a year. So we have some six months. We have a whole lot. It's not like we have 20 lenders because we don't. We have a handful of really good direct lenders that are big, in some cases, publicly traded companies that are loaning Wall Street's money essentially to investors like you. And, uh, and they give competitive interest rates. And just like I mentioned, it's not the bank. It's not any of that 2% you're getting on your primary mortgage. But I can tell you the rates are probably going to be from the high fives to the mid eights, depending upon what you're trying to do. On the fix and flip side, by the way, it's probably from the high single digits, maybe like seven and three quarters or 8%, all the way up to like a 13. On the fix and flip, though, we never worry about the rate because we always sure. encourage... Exactly. Just get in and out of there. Most of them don't have any prepay or very little prepay penalty. So the fact of the matter, I'm sorry about that. It's one of them call back. Anyway, I told you, phone rings all the time. I thought thought you were playing yourself off. You're like, you got your own music to walk off. Anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed getting the opportunity. I know Terry stepped away for a moment, but uh, I enjoyed the opportunity to speak to the audience out there. Again, if you have any questions, you see our logo back there. Yeah. Um, feel free to reach out to us or, you know, just, hey, what does this mean? We're accessible. If you look at our Trustpilot reviews, we've got a great following because we treat people like we want to be treated. Yeah, uh, I concur. And, uh, yeah, send me an email if you have questions. Send Neil an email, whatever. Say say you saw him on the show. Say, let him know you saw the show. And, uh, yeah, uh, Awesome. (laughs) Tell your friends about us. We appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, Neil. I'll see you later. Okay, thanks, Glenn. I'll see you soon.